But I'm excited about today. I'm excited about um, the sermon for today. It's a um, one of those ones that like just kind of grip you. And uh, it's been a, a topic and a, an idea and a thought as we've been walking through, zooming in on discipleship. Uh, it's been one of those topics or this idea that, I'll be honest, I don't have it all figured out yet. Like it's tonight, this morning, you're not going to get a nice, neat package of a sermon. Um, this is uh, an idea and a thought that God has placed within my heart and in Pastor John's heart and in Pastor Terry's heart, and we're wrestling with it. And so you're going to um, get some insight today into some of the thoughts and some of the things that God is doing to shape um, our I- ideas as the question that's really facing us that, that's kind of been wrestling through is how do we as a church disciple people? Like if we know that Christ wants us to be disciples and we know that being a disciple is walking close with the Lord and getting to know him and do what he says. Um, and then we learned last week that he's given us the church as the, the gymnasium to work that out in. But how do we do that? Like, that's a big idea. So when you go to like someone that goes to the church or that's a pastor, you say, well, how are you making disciples? If it's a pastor, that's a question that, that I know before the Lord I'm going to have to give an account one day. He's going to say, well, how did you do with my sheep? How did you, how did you care? How did you help them to grow? And I, I want to be able to answer that question in a way that's more than just, I don't know, we just did. Like, we, we just did. And so um, that's kind of the question that we're wrestling with. How do we care for the people that God is bringing? And how do we help people grow deeper in their love for the Lord and live for him and be on mission for him? So how do, how do we do all of that? And so today I wanted to, as we, we begin to unpack this question, I wanted to help us begin to understand that sometimes in life we need to come to a place where we redefine or we reimagine words that we use every single day. Like for me, Thanksgiving this year was one of those reimagining or redefining of the time. For we know Thanksgiving is a family time, right? It's a time where you gather together as a family and you eat a meal together and you celebrate and you remember how, how much we have to be thankful for and whom we are to be thankful to. Um, and so it's, it's a time for that. But normally for us in, in our family, since we've been a part of ministry and, and we've been in the ministry for a long time, family for us is constantly and continually having to be redefined and reimagined. Like for us, Thanksgiving and family time does not always look the same. Like it's been a long time that since we as a family have been together with our nuclear family and our extended family on Thanksgiving. Like it's been a long time since we've had an opportunity to all get together in one house under one roof and share together, my family or Sarah's family. And so the Lord has been gracious in in helping us redefine what that means, that maybe sometimes family is not about a nuclear family or a blood family, but maybe family is about something that's bigger. And this Christmas or this Thanksgiving, we had an opportunity to have our identity as a family be redefined. And I'm really thankful for that. For this year, for our Thanksgiving dinner, we'd, we had it together as our nuclear family, but we went together with uh, another family that has invited us to take part in their family time as we had an opportunity to go and, and share Thanksgiving with another family from the Hokesson campus. We got a chance to, to eat dinner with them, and, and our kids have got to know uh, their kids through school, and so it's been this kind of weird connection uh, in a way that we've had an opportunity just to share with them. And, and so we had Thanksgiving dinner with our family. It was great. 
great. It was a neat new experience um, because it was an opportunity for us to get to know people in a new way and uh, we could still have a good time. And then like family was redefined again for us last night as we had an opportunity uh, to have Thanksgiving dinner with our neighbors. Like, so our neighbors have now become a part of our new family. And this is really neat. This wasn't something that Sarah and I sat around and said, hey, well, why don't we get the neighborhood together and, and have them over to our house? What's amazing about what God is doing in our specific neighborhood is our neighbors invited us into their Thanksgiving dinner. And it was so special and so neat. And some of our neighbors are here today, and, and we love getting to know them and having them part of our church family, too. Um, but sometimes it, it's important for us to redefine or reimagine what family is. And today I want us to take that idea of redefining and reimagining definitions. I want us to, to look at how we can redefine and, and reimagine this idea of discipleship through the identity of belonging and becoming. Like, how do I belong to the church? And how do, we, I, how do I belong to the body of Christ? And how do I become more like Christ? And I think those two ways of looking at it and the ways of, of, of helping us redefine and reimagine belonging and becoming, I think will help us as we kind of look through uh, this, trying to answer this question, how are we discipling? So the passage I want to share with us today to begin as we look at the power of belonging to the body of Christ. And so I want us to go back to Acts chapter 2. Now, this was a passage we were in last week. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to take it out and turn with us, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And I want us to look at, um, I love this passage because it gives us insight into right after the church was birthed and it began to grow and began to take shape, we have insight into what life inside of this new body of believers as they were congregating together and living in community together. What did it look like? What did it feel like? And you almost get this, a sense of what it smelt like um, to, to be in this new thing called the body of Christ or in the church. So in Acts chapter 2, this is what we see taking place with the body of Christ as it was living out in Jerusalem. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for this specific word as it gives insight into um, life within your church. Father, I pray that you would take this time now and help us in our hearts and in our minds. Help us reimagine or even redefine what it means to belong to the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you continue to just move in our hearts. And Father, we also are aware that there are some that have come into this place today without even the thought or the idea on their mind of, of the church. But they've come to this place this morning with real hurt and real need. So Father, I pray that your presence would be um, on their heart and among their life. And Father, that they would receive from you what they so desperately desire. Father, I pray for each one of us in our lives that you'd move us closer to you today as we hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
So I love this passage as we look at the, the, the church as a whole as it begins to take on life. And if we, we've looked at this passage before as, as a campus, but I want us to look at it again today with a different perspective. Because within this new community, this community that's being developed together, we see a, an identity of belonging that's multidimensional. Like this was revolutionary for me this week as, as I had an opportunity to, to talk a little bit. This is some of what Pastor John shared with the Hokeson campus last week. But as you walk through this, this passage, you see community, uh, uh, multi-dimensions of belonging to the community of Christ. And it's interesting to think that there's not just one level in which people can belong, but even in the world today, that people can belong on different levels in organizations or in, in, um, in connectedness. And so I, I see today, even in our postmodern world, you hear this over and over and over again, that there's a desire and a yearning within each one of us to belong. Like we want to belong to something. And so I see this passage kind of talks about the multi-dimensions or the different spaces in which we can belong. And I want to share those with you today. So if we begin, there are four spaces of belonging. There's a public space of belonging. There's the social space of belonging. There's the personal space of belonging and the intimate space of belonging. And if we look at this passage, we can see that the public space is one of the spaces in which people are able to connect. And this is a space in which uh, you belong in a distance. So the distance is greater than 12 feet. Um, so, or the social spaces in which you belong in distance between 4 and 12 feet. Personal spaces in which you belong between uh, 18 inches and 4 feet. And then intimate space is where you belong between 0 and 18 inches. So you can see the, the closeness becomes greater and greater as the spaces become more and more intimate. But the public space, you can see here, uh, we can see each of these. Uh, the public space is, is kind of like, and, and I, I experienced this, when you are uh, following a sports team. So the public space is... is Large and uh, it's connected through a bunch of people. So this year I had an opportunity uh, a few months ago to go to the Louisville football game as they were playing Temple. And what was amazing to me is I, I love following Louisville football. Um, I'm a big fan. I follow their basketball team as well. And uh, it was neat to hear that they were coming to town. And so when we got to the Coliseum or we got to the stadium and we showed up and we realized that we were sitting behind the Louisville bench and we were surrounded by a bunch of other Louisville fans. And so in some ways, this was a very public forum, and I was able to connect with people in a very public way. Like we cheered together when, when Louisville would do something great. The whole section stood up and cheered. And so together, in a very public way, uh, there was something that was beyond us that connected us together, and we were able to belong um, in a very meaningful way. And this also happens within the church. For we see as we walk through chapter 2, verse 42, you see that the believers were connecting themselves in a very public way. And we see that in verse 42. The, this new body of believers were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to prayers. And it says in, in verse um, 44 that all who believed were together and had all things in common. So we see that they were connecting in very public ways, this early church. And what we need to understand is that even in the church today, there are people that connect in the public way before they connect in a deeper way. That there are some people that connect to the body of Christ and they begin their connection to the body of Christ through the public forum. It doesn't begin even through a one-to-one, -one, but sometimes people uh, begin to attend and then they begin to belong and then they become involved. 
And so there's the public space and in, in a way of that people can connect and belong. The next way of, of connecting is through the social space. Um, so in, in a way, the way this looks like, it's moving from connecting through the Colosseum, from connecting from the Colosseum to connecting through the reception room. Like this is the space in which people begin to connect over cups of coffee or over finger foods in which they have small talk and in which they provide snapshots into their life to the other person. Now, they're not fully uh, disclosing their lives to the other person, but it's an opportunity to get to know people and you get an opportunity to decide who of that group you want to go deeper with. So that's a social space. The third space is personal space. Personal space is the moving from the reception room to the dinner table. It's in which where you're inviting people closer in and you're allowing them to see your life in a more intimate way, where you're trusting people with your life. So this space is where you would find your close friends. And then the fourth space is the intimate space. It's the space of zero to 18 inches. And it's moving from the table into your life. It's where you're able to to go between you and another person and be completely naked and not ashamed. It's it's a a way in which you're you're completely vulnerable. You're opening yourself up completely to someone else and saying, this is just who I am. Um, Love me, accept me, be a part of me. And it's more of a position of where you're inviting people in um, to, to pray over you as well. Because I, I think of that, if you're talking about zero to 18 inches, it's those relationships where you have someone where you can confess your deepest sins to, someone that you can share your deepest struggles with, and they're there to embrace you with a hug or they're there to embrace you with prayer. And I think it's interesting, as we look at this, even in, in Acts chapter 2, the goal is not to have all relationships at an intimate level. Like, we don't have to take all of our relationships to the intimacy level, because that's just weird. I mean, think about that. How many of you can literally have uh, intimate relationships with your barista? Like, wouldn't that just be odd? And maybe unless the barista is your wife. But if, but if the barista, the person that's a part of your life, you don't want to connect with your barista on an intimate level. Maybe you want to connect with them on a social level or a public level. Or maybe you're a barber. Like, how many of you want to and, and can even sustain a relationship with your barber on an intimate level? But we also have, like, children's, our child's teachers are a part of our lives. We, we want them to be a part of our life, but we don't want to necessarily connect with them in the intimate space. So it's really not possible for us to connect to everyone on the intimate level. But I can connect to all the people that God has placed in my life in the different four levels, and they all have meaning. That's what makes up our community. Like, if you think about your community, the people that surround you and make up who you are and help encourage you and help walk through you, there, there are people that you connect with on, in the public level, in the very public way. There's people that you connect with in the social space. There's people that you connect in the personal space. And there's people that you connect with in intimate space. But so if this is true in the early church, if the early church was able to connect in these four areas of intimacy or these four areas of belonging, should it not be true then that the church of today should continue to have those four spaces in which people can come together and connect and belong? I think the challenge for many, many churches is many, many churches have tried to to look at this question and they've come instead of a four levels of, of belonging, they try to only offer two. They offer the public realm and they offer the intimate, well, intimate 
um, level where they would say, well, we're a church where we want you to connect with us on Sunday morning through coming and gathering together as a bunch of people where we worship the Lord and you hear biblical teaching, you hear biblical preaching and you have an opportunity to connect with other believers. But then we also want you to go from there. We want you just to go. So you go deep and go deep and go deep and get to know, get in this small group where they will take you on this journey towards depth. And so there's this, most churches only have a two-pronged approach. And for many churches, the goal is to, to get you into a public space and then immediately try to move you into an intimate space. But the reality is that's not possible. It's not possible for the whole church to move from the public space and have everyone involved in the intimate space. But I believe that the church is responsible for providing spaces for belonging in all four spaces. I think that's the purpose of the church. I think the church is supposed to develop these environments in which belonging can happen in the public forum, in the social forum, in the personal forum, and also the intimate space. So if we do that, And if that's the way, then let's take just a moment to investigate ourselves. Like, how are we doing at that? As as a church, as one church, but also as multiple campuses, how are we doing that? And I think with one church, with two campuses, we we do a very good job of, of offering and providing opportunities for people to connect in the public space. Like, you have, on a weekly basis, you can come on a Sunday morning here and connect in a very public way. If you want to just come in and be kind of anonymous, it's going to be hard here because we're a little bit smaller. You're going to probably get greeted. Someone's going to say hi to you. Someone's going to shake a hand. Someone's going to offer you coffee. So to be completely anonymous here on Sunday morning is a little bit hard. Um, more so on the Hokesson campus, just because they're a little bit larger, it is possible for someone to sneak in and to sneak out without even... Saying, being said hi to. So that's possible. But we do have that space in which people can connect um, in the public forum. We also have an opportunity two times a year for the church as a whole, both campuses, to get together and worship. And so that's a, a, a great way of providing public space. So I think we are doing a good job of that. But then we look at the social space. And if we look at the social space, uh, we do that as a, a good job of that too on Sunday morning. We provide an opportunity for people to connect through fellowship time. We provide opportunities for people to connect through Sunday school. So you can come, you can grab a cup of coffee and, and have um, um, meaningful conversations. You can have lighthearted conversations. You can have deep conversations. But you give an, we give an opportunity for people to connect through fellowship. And so we do that. Also, because we're part of a larger church, we have other opportunities, other social spaces for people to connect. Uh, we have men's opportunities. We have men's breakfasts uh, that they, we do once a month that you have an opportunity to be a part of because you're connected to the other campus. So as a campus, we can have um, men's breakfast times. We have women's ministry times. You heard about one of them today that uh, the women are getting together at Miss Charlotte's house to, to have a time of fellowship. So that's an opportunity for you to connect in a very social space, in a very meaningful way with other believers that are part of our church. We do this also with our youth ministry. Though our campus is, doesn't have a very robust youth ministry, we're connected to the Hokesson campus, which really does have a more robust uh, youth ministry. So if you're a youth, you have an opportunity to connect in the social space there. But as we move on closer on down to the, the other spaces, the personal space and the intimate space, We see for our campus, the personal space is derived very organically right now. 
Like we don't have a space where we say, hey, this is the time for you to begin growing deeper with other people. We don't have a ministry for that. We don't have a a big idea for that. We don't have a big structure for that. But what's happening on our campus is that's happening in a very organic way. We have a group of guys that, that meet together every once in a while to play the guitar. They're learning how to play together. That's a great way of connecting in a very personal space. They're, they're sharing the same love for wanting to play the guitar. We have an, another time where some of the guys get together and they play soccer. Uh, that's another great way of connecting in the personal space. We have women that are getting together for women's Bible studies times uh, where they're working through either books of the Bible or different ideas. And so those are some organic ways that we have people gathering for Bible studies. And ever at the Hokeson campus, the way that people are connecting in, in personal space is through life groups. We have life groups over there where people meet either weekly or every other week together um, to connect in the personal space. But then even on our campus, how do we connect in the intimate space and the, a one-to-one connection? That's also happening organically. There are many of you that, that I hear about that meet one-on-one. Like You're like, let's get together and let's meet Thursday morning at Luma Coffee and we'll, we'll share in life together. So that's happening too, very organically. And there are some of you that are part of our, our, our church right now that are connecting in all four of those levels. You're like, I'm meeting with someone one-on-one. I'm opening my life to them. I'm allowing them to pray for me. I'm meeting with a small group where we're trying to go deeper in the word of God. I'm, I'm connecting through fellowship. I come on Sunday mornings and I'm, I'm trying to be intentional as I'm connecting people through coffee time and other things. And I'm, I'm also committed to coming to church on, uh, on Sunday morning to, to connect with the larger social space. Some of you are in one of those four areas. Some of you just come on Sunday morning. Some of you just come and you want to be part of what God is doing here on Sunday morning through our time of worship. I want you to know that's okay. That's a part of discipleship. Like the goal is to not to move you all completely into intimate space, but it's to be a part of the body of Christ and continue to grow and be a part of what God's doing. So we, as a campus, must look at all of those areas and all of those spaces and say, this is how we want to have environments in which growth can take place. So there are environments in which we grow. And I want to move on from helping us understand belonging to look at becoming. If we look at our campus, where we as a campus and as a church where we can grow the most or where we need the most care and love, it's in the area of of developing spaces for people to connect personally and intimately. Like we can't make people do that, but I think as a church we have to have an opportunity or develop an environment where those spaces, where we can be more intentional in those spaces. And one of the things that, that we've realized as pastors this week as we've kind of talked through this is there's some identity in the Bible that I think we've lost. I think we've, we've lost it along the way. And, and we, we only see ourselves as, as wanting to connect with the large church or the small church. Like there's got to be some intermediate step, but we see that the benefits of the large church is that I can connect with people in a very, very large way. Or if I go to a small church, I can connect with people in a very, very meaningful way. And those are like the two options that we have. But I believe that scripture really teaches us that there's a middle ground. There's another space in which we connect where we get the benefits of the largeness, but we also get the depth of the smallness. And this identity is found in the idea in the Old Testament. We see it showing up in the identity of the clan. 
Now, in the Old Testament, there was the clan. Now, clan was larger than a family, but it was smaller than a tribe. If you turn to Joshua chapter 13 with me real quickly. Good if I was in the right place. Joshua chapter 13. We see the, the idea of the, the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was God's people that he called unto himself, but he has given them different levels of involvement and different levels of connectedness. We see that they begin as being part of the, the nation of Israel. Then we see the nation of Israel is broken down into 12 tribes. Then of those tribes, those tribes are connected with multiple clans. And what we see in Joshua chapter 13 is the, the basic structure of the people of God at that time. Uh, they've just gone through and they've inherited the land. They've just gone through and, and, and um, overcome the uh, promised land that God had promised them. And now um, Aaron is getting ready to divvy out the land. And this is what he says in chapter 13, verse 15. And Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben according to their clans. So their ter- territory was from Aurora which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon and the city that is in the middle of the valley and the tableland of Medebub and Heshbon and all of its cities and that are in the tableland, Dibon and Bamoth Baal and Beth Baal and Maon and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. So what you see here is there's this identity that the people of God inherited the promised land, which was a whole land. Then that land was broken up by tribes. So the 12 tribes each got larger regions or smaller regions of the larger territory of the promised land. Then the land was further broken down to the clans. And so we see that the clan was larger than a family, was smaller than a tribe, but it was an area in which land was given for the people to maintain, to support, and be good stewards of as being part of the territory of God. So as they inherited this land, they were responsible for caring for the families, but also caring for the land that was given to them. And so in this day, the identity of God's people, it wasn't so much that you are identified with your family, but you are identified with your clan. And so each clan is where you found your identity. Joshua chapter 7, we see after Achan had sinned, after they'd gone into the, the city of, of Ai, and they, um, God told them not to take any of the, the treasures or anything like that, we see that Achan stole, uh, stole some of the uh, some of the booty, and he stole it and he hid it under his tent. And after he has this, we see that they go in and um, they get utterly slaughtered by other people. And uh, so God calls Joshua and says, your people have sinned, or my people have sinned, and so make them come to account. And so we see as uh, the people of God, um, we try to figure out who sinned. We see that God allows the people to come together based on their tribe. Then he he identifies the right tribe, then he identifies the right clan, and then he identifies the right person. So in the identity of the clan, we see that there was always an elder or a leader of the clan, and it was always based on blood. So your clan was your clan because you all shared, in some ways, the same bloodline. You were encouraged always to marry within the clan. And since the land was given based on your blood and based on your clan, that that's when the idea of the 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 kinsman redeemer comes about. So if your original family was given this plot of land, if, if 
your portion of it, if, if you were a, a woman and your husband died, you could have a kinsman redeemer come in and redeem the land, and it would be someone that's part of your clan, not someone that's part of your tribe, not someone that's part of anything larger, but your clan was what it was from. And so this identity in the Old Testament of the clan is, is a way in which life took place. When they got together uh, on Thanksgiving, even though they didn't have Thanksgiving, at the Feast of Booths, they would get together as a clan. So the clans would gather together and they would do life and they would care for one another. It was the clan's responsibility. If there was a problem within the family, the place that the family would go was right to the clan. They would move to the elder and the elder would have an opportunity to speak in to make decisions for. It was the uh, opportunity of uh, the leader of the clan or the clan itself was also responsible for vindication. Uh, if there was someone in the, the clan that was hurt by someone else, it was the responsibility of the clan to provide vindication. And so we see this identity of the clan somehow in the Old Testament moves away or be, it kind of gets lost with the rise of the king. But we also see that it begins to resurface in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the identity of... Uh, the, the word that they use is oikos, or household. So if you see the word household show up in the New Testament, it's this word of oikos, or it's a bringing back of this identity of the clan, where a group of people that are gathered together, they gather together no longer of the lineage of the bloodline of birth, but they're people that are gathered together under the blood of their father. And so we see that it's a reinventing or a reimagining of this identity of this household. Let me show you how, what this looks like. I'm going to do this real quick. Turn with me to the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, we see this showing up through the pages as Paul begins in, in chapter 1, verse 7. Paul is writing a letter to the church at Rome, and we see that he begins in verse 7. He says, first, he gives a greeting in, in 1 through 6. He says, I am Paul. I'm a servant of God. This is why. This is who I am, so listen. Um, but then in verse 7, he says, to those in Rome who are loved by God, God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here that Paul is writing the letter to the larger region of the church. So the church at Rome was not just the church, not just a church, but it was a collection of churches in a larger region, okay? So he writes to the, in, in essence, um, could be considered in the, the level of, of the tribe. And then we move on and turn with me now to the last chapter of Romans in chapter 16. And we see chapter 16, verse 1, we see not only is the church known as the larger church of a region, but 16, verse 1 Paul writes this, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sentacria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of mine and of myself as well. And so we see that Paul here um, talks about a lady, Phoebe, who is a servant of this other church that's in a smaller area. It's a city within the region. And then if we move on to Romans chapter 16, verse 3, we see that Paul also gives these instructions. Greet uh, Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom uh, not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church that is in their house, or the church that is meeting in their home. 
And so we see through, uh, even in the book of Romans, as Paul is trying to to, uh, just talk more and write letters of instructions, he is talking about these different spaces of belonging. He writes a letter to Rome, the the church of Rome, which is the public forum. We see that he he writes and also gives instruction as they knew that they would gather together, that the church of Rome would read this letter and they'd pass it around from church to church within that greater region. He also gives instructions or also gives a shout out to his friends at this other church in this other city within the region. So it's a... um, goes from the public space to the social space, and now he even talks about the personal space, and he talks about the group that meets in the home. You can't get much closer than a home. Like in the household, in this identity that we see from Scripture, we also see showing up last week. If you look at the, the group of the home, we see that usually runs between 20 to 40 people. As we learned last week, that that a church that's connected of 20 to 40 people is known as a house church or a storefront church. It's the smallest level of church where the people of God come together to do life together. I think there's something in that identity of the size between 20 and 40. There's something about the beauty of that size that we see from the word of God that there's value to. It's not the end all. The end all is not to have a church just of 20, of 20 to 40. But the 20 to 40 church is a building block to help support the larger church so that the larger region can be reached with the word of God so the disciples can be made so that there's opportunities for the public space and the, and the social space and the personal space and the intimate space to come together so that people can live and work and grow. with the size of, of 20 to 40, and we experience that because that's kind of what we, we are. We're a small church in which, where life can happen organically, where we can meet together and where we can uh, walk through life in a way that we don't have to have these huge, big events so that we can connect in ways that are meaningful. I know many of you spend a lot of time with each other. Like if you're thinking about what am I going to do on Friday night or let's do something on Friday night, you're th- immediately thinking about ways you can connect with other people from our church. I loved uh, looking at some of the pictures on Facebook of some of the, uh, the some of your families that gathered together for Thanksgiving. I remember looking at the pictures that, that Terry posted about the Thanksgiving dinner that they had, the, the table that was spread out um, among the, the whole length of the house, it seemed. And they had like 24,000 kids around the table and they had all these adults and they made space. It's amazing to me how, how we will go to great lengths to make space when we desire the family to come together. Like we'll move furniture completely out of the place so that we can make space for people to connect together at the table. And I think the early church had some, there was something about that. Where in these groups of 20 to 40, the early church was able to care for discipleship and, and their mission. Like they were able to, to build people up in the Lord and they were also able to carry out the mission that God has given them. And so I don't really have a point of saying, well, we should do this. I guess my point is, is we should think on these things. Like, think on this as we look to who it is that we're becoming, how it is that we're discipling. I don't have the answers, but I do know that there's something to smaller groups of a larger group that help the body of Christ further carry out the mission of God. There's beauty and bigness. 
Like there's blessing in bigness, but there's also blessing in smallness. And the ways in which we can make those meaningful are ways in which we need to grow. So if you're uh, here today, I would just want to encourage you just to think on these things. Like test these things. Test what we've talked about today. And you're like, if you say, no, nah, that just, that fails. This is how it fails. I, I want us to have a, a, a conversation about this. You have a voice into what, we, what it is that we're becoming as a church. And if you have thoughts, if you have ideas, if you have concerns, then share them with me. Share them with someone else. And let us come together as a church to really just answer this question of how it is that we're going to disciple people. How is it that we can create environments for people to connect in the public space, but also how can we do it so that we have people connecting on four on the four levels? So that's it. I know that's not much of a, you're like, okay, I, great. What do I do? Think on that. Pray on that. Search the scripture of the Lord so that you can see the images that he gives us as to what we are to be as a church.